Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. And again, tonight is the first of six sessions that I'm going to do on a special series uh, called 12 Life-Changing Traits of the Word of God. Uh, it's something that the Lord put on my heart uh, a month or two ago. I was actually studying, getting ready to prepare a message for something else, and in my study I saw this list of, of these symbols, these traits, these characteristics of the Word of God, and I thought, wow, that's powerful. And so I've been studying those and looking over those, and I wanted to share that with you. So you know the drill. Go ahead and grab a Bible. Uh, if you want, I got my notepad. You can see right here. You want to take some notes. This would be a great one to take some notes on and uh, just follow along with me. So I'm glad all the folks that are watching, that you're watching with me tonight. And we're going to go ahead and get started. So again, if you haven't shared the broadcast, go ahead and do that. It really does help. And let's say a word of prayer. And then we're going to get right into tonight's online Bible study. All right. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the people that are watching this broadcast. We thank you, Lord, that as we gather here in spirit, Lord, the use of technology, we're thankful for it. Lord, we thank you that as we study your word together, that we're being drawn into unity by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, this is our desire. Reveal to us your truth. Reveal to us the revelation of your word. May we better know you through your word. In Jesus' name, if you agree with me, type amen in the comment section and let me know that you agree with me in that prayer. We're going to begin tonight in the same place that we'll begin all six sessions uh, at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 is where we're going to begin tonight. Hey, I see dad on. Hey, this is for you dad. Oh, hey dad. Good to see you. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hey, it's been a while, but if you remember the routine, if you want to type in these scripture references in the comment section, even better. So when people watch the replay, they'll see all these scripture references pop up in the replay, and then there'll be no way that they could be lost. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 is where we're going to begin tonight. It's the same place we'll begin each night. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. All right, here we go. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let's read that one more time. For the Word of God, your Bible, this inspired book, these collections, 66 books written by, as the Bible tells us, holy men moved on by the Holy Ghost. They didn't pin out their opinions. 
uh, th this collection of works that spans over 1,500 years that come together in perfect unity. Hey, Donnie, I see you jumping on. Complete, total unity. The Word of God, what you have here, this gift from God, His inspired, inerrant Word, it is, notice this, alive. The Word of God is living and powerful. Why don't you write that in the comment section? That's a good note to take. Type in the comment section, the Word of God is alive and powerful. The Word of God is alive and powerful. I want you to join in with me and study and type that in the comment section. The Word of God is alive and powerful. Think about that. What does it mean for the Word of God to be alive? It means that it's constantly active. It's not a... Um, it's not, a, it's not a thing in which it doesn't move and breathe and ha have its being and live. The Word of God in itself is alive and powerful. It's constantly active. It's constantly producing what God sent it forth to do. We see that in Isaiah 55. It says that the Word never returns void. Once the Word of God goes out, it's not coming back without fruit. The Word of God has the power of God. It's, it's the power of heavens backing up this Word. And the Word of God is so alive that it's continually and ever active and ever working on the behalf and the will of the Father. Your Bible, your Word, this Word that we read and we study and we digest and that we consume and we memorize and we, we mull it over in our minds and meditate on it, that Word is what is changing you. See, because the Bible says the Word of God is alive and you wrote it, I see it in the comment sections, alive and powerful. Now think about that. It's energizing. It, it carries a, a dynamic working ability in it. The Word of God is, the, the Bible, the Word of God is not just another religious document. But what Romans 1 tells us, that the, power, the Word of God, the gospel, is the power of God. That's why we can't be ashamed of it. The gospel is the power of God to save. It, 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 this gospel, this good news of what God has and is doing through the finished work of Christ Jesus is powerful enough to save us from our sins and bring salvation to us. It energizes us. We can see that all through Scripture. You know, the Bible talks about how uh, in the book of Zechariah, the prophet prophesied by the Holy Spirit that what the Lord's going to do, he doesn't do it by might or strength of man, but he does it by his spirit. Uh, we can see in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The word of God releases the power of God in your life. This is why it's so important to hold the word of God at a high esteem in your life to honor and treasure exactly what it is, which is God's word to me. And, and, and I have to view the Bible in such a way that it's a personal revelation of God and who He is and His will and His desire written out to me. Not, it's not just some Sunday morning book or some Easter and Christmas book. It is a book by which I can found and, and, and ground my life in my marriage and in the lives of my children and how I run a business and, and how I live from day to day. I can live and trust in this word because it's sure, because it's, it's faithful. Now, there's three other things I want you to see in this main 
text that we're using each time we meet before we get to our first trait that will change your life from the Word of God. It's alive. We covered that. It's powerful. Now notice this. It's cutting. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's cutting. It clears away. Imagine if you've got some uh, shrubbery around your house and you've got you know, beautiful green shrubberies, uh, shrubs everywhere, and you notice some dead spots in that shrub. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to take something to lop it away. You're going to take some loppers or some hedge trimmers. You're going to cut away that dead spot where it's dead and dry. You're going to cut it away uh, because wherever there's death, it's not producing life. Uh, death is a place where there's decay. It, it gives an opportunity for, for mold and funguses and different things that in, engulf uh, you know, plants and can create a fungus which will then just kill the whole shrub. Well, the Word of God is cutting. It cuts through and it searches out our heart. It searches out our heart and, it, and when there's something in us that doesn't need to be there or there's something that doesn't align up with the Word of God, well, our prayer is, Lord, let your word just sever it off. Let your word cut it off clean. I don't want any part of it. I want it to be cut away from my life. It's not profitable. It's not going to do anything for me or draw me close to you. Cut it away, Lord. Uh, Jesus talks about this in, in John 15, that, there's, that he is the vine and that we are the branches. And any branch that doesn't produce fruit, it's cut away. It's pruned. It's cut off. The Word of God will cut away the deadness of sin, the deadness of the curse, the deadness of doubt and unbelief. The Word of God will cut those things away and remove them from your life. And I don't know about you, but for me, if it's dead, it's not producing fruit. If it's a habit, if it's a thought, if it's an action, and it doesn't draw me closer to the Father, I don't want any part in it. I'll, everything I commit myself to that I'm thinking, that I'm saying, that I'm doing, I want it to bear fruit. The Word of God is cutting. It cuts clean. Fourth thing, the Word of God divides. The Word of God rightly divides what's right and wrong, what's good and evil, what's just and holy. You know, in the book of Isaiah, I believe it is, um, the Lord prophesies, speaks through the prophet Isaiah, and it says there will come a time where they will call good evil, they the world, those dead in sin, those deceived by Satan. They'll call good evil and evil good. Does that sound like today? It does to me. They'll call what is good evil and what's evil good. The Word of God will rightly divide and segment out what is true, what's honest, what's pure, what's holy, what's just, apart from what is wrong, <laughs> what's sinful, what's wicked, what's destructive. When you go to the Word of God, you're going to the ultimate source of truth. And, and you know, I see, you know, I guess most folks that are watching right now uh, are Gospel Tabernacle folks. If you're not, I'm glad you're watching. I'm so thankful that you're watching. You're always welcome to watch. But if you've listened or if you were in service this past Sunday, Pastor Leon was talking exactly about how that the, the Word of God will tell is the, is the ultimate source of truth and will tell you what is right, what's good, what's holy, which will renew that mind to understand 
uh, not not the way the world sees things, but that we'll see it through the eyes of God. That we'll see it what is right and what is true. You know, uh, deception is the means by which Satan operates, and if he can deceive people into thinking, well, you know, that's not right. Uh, even though that's just an old book, uh, it, it's done away with, it's outdated. Um, it, it's not, you know, maybe it worked at one point in time, but now we don't, we, we've gotten much smarter, more intelligent. We don't need that anymore. We have all this technology. We've had all these scientific discoveries and, and technological advances. And, you know, we're just far beyond believing in someone off in the sky, you know, foolishness absolute foolishness today in 2021 man needs god more than ever <laughs> and the pridefulness of their heart in the world they think that they've uh, arrived at, and and the world's become more backwards than it ever has been well if you deviate if you remove yourself from the word of truth well, what do you think is going to happen of course you get to a place where you see good as evil and evil is good. And the last thing before we get to our first trait, we're making a foundation here, covering our, our basis here. The last thing, the word is discerning. D-I-S-C-E-R-N-I-N-G. Discerning. The word of God is a righteous judge. The word of God can discern or make a determination or a, a judgment. See, you can go to the word of God to get advice, you know, how do I, how do I, how should I live my life to be a, a, a godly man, a, a godly husband? How, how do I treat my wife? How do I treat my children? How, how should I be a, a good employee? How should I be a good member of the church? How should I treat my neighbor? How, how do I tell people about uh, God's love? How do I instruct people and, and how to find God and, and come into a place of salvation with Him? The Word of God will give you that insight. The Word of God will teach you. The Word of God will give you good judgment on how to live your life. And the Holy Spirit, the author of the Bible, will teach you how to rightly divide and how to apply the Word to your life so that you can bear the fruit that God says you can have so that you can obtain the promises that God says is yours. And when you get to that point, you realize, my goodness, the Word of God is the answer. In fact, I want you to write that in the comments. Write, the Word of God is the answer. The Word of God is the answer. The Word of God is the answer. While you're writing that, I want you to, I want you to hear this. I wrote this down by Warren Wiersbe. Uh, Bible teacher, and he made this quote, and it's, I really liked it. It says, the Word of God is the answer to every spiritual condition. If we allow the Word to judge us and expose our hearts, then we will not fail to inherit every blessing. Now notice this. To many believers, to many Christians, they fail to hear and heed. It's not just hearing. You have to hear and then do it. Hear and heed God's word and thus rob themselves of believing. Notice that. To many believers, they fail to hear and heed God's word and thus rob themselves of blessing. You know, the word of God is the master key to the life that God wants us to live. 
If we want to live in the place, that wealthy place of prosperity in every area of life, in our spirit, our soul, our body, in our marriages, in our families, in the places we work, we want to live in an abundant place where we can thrive and have what God wants for us and do what God has put us on this planet to do. If we want to do that, if we want to abide in His will, live in His presence, it, the, the Word of God must be our foundation. It has to be the manual. It has to be our guide. It has to be the, the rudder of our life that directs our path. And the Word of God holds the answer to every question. Think about that. Before you even ask the question, the answer is already given to you. The Word of God is the, has the solution to any problem. Before any problem arises, you already have the solution. And so when you come to that frame of reference, that, that weight frame of mind, you think about, my goodness, within the covers of this Bible, I have the answers. Uh, and the author of this book, the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside of me, and he's going to teach me this word you get to a point where you think, oh, I just, I have to, I have to study it. I have to hear it. I have to fill my ears with it. I have to fill my mind with it. I have to fill my heart up with it so that at any point in time, I can have the answer inside of me come out because I have the Word inside of me. So we cover this basis here. The Word of God is, okay? Let's begin with our first trait for the next, uh, Laura just chuckled at me. I got, I, Maybe I did something funny. She may be looking at something totally different for all I know. Certainly she's not watching another broadcast. <laughs> oh, sorry. We got to the first point. She thinks it's a little humorous. It took me that long to get to point one. But it's an introduction, right? The first trait I want you to see that will change your life concerning the Word of God, the first characteristic of the Word of God, the first way that God's Word operates in your life is the Word of God is like fire. Type that in the comments section for me. The Word of God is like fire. If you want to just throw some fire emojis in there, that would be, that'd be pretty cool too. The Word of God is like fire. The Word of God is like fire. The Word of God is like fire. We're going to turn to Jeremiah 23, verse 29. First trait. First life-changing trait. Life-changing characteristic of the Word of God is the Word of God is like fire. The way the Word of God operates, one of the ways that we're going to see and study and discover over the next several weeks, the way the Word of God works in your life, it works in your life like fire. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 29. Jeremiah 23 verse 29. Jeremiah, he says here, by the Spirit of the Lord, he says, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Notice that. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Now let's give a little bit of context here, what the Spirit of the Lord is saying through Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet of God, 
in the Old Testament. He's speaking to the kingdom of Judah or what remains of it. You understand at this point in time of history, these 12 tribes of Israel, they've went through division after King Solomon dies. And they become two divided kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And because of their sin and their, really, their idolatry and their uh, spiritual adultery, they forsook God. They forsook the living God. Hey, Caleb. Hey, Chrissy. I know I, know I saw you, Chrissy, a few minutes ago, but hey, Chrissy. Hey, Caleb. Good to see y'all. They forsook God. They served these false gods, Baal, Molech. And, and they engulfed themselves in, in, sin, in wickedness and sinfulness. They, they began to do things that were ungodly, things that were against the word that was given to them. And so what happens? Judgment came. Sin always brings destruction. Every time. Sin always brings destruction. Sin always brings death. Somehow, some way, sin destroys don't, we don't ever want sin in our hearts and our minds, in our lives. We want no part of sin. Any, anytime the Lord's convicting our heart or putting us in a place where we see something is in us that ain't right, we want to get rid of it. We want to repent. We want to get clean. We want to get away from it. Because we want no part, no lot in sin, because sin always brings destruction. And at this point where Jeremiah is prophesying, that divided kingdom of, of Israel, they've already been destroyed and taken off into captivity. And those that remain are kind of like stragglers around the kingdom of Judah. And so this population of the kingdom of Judah is kind of mixed of the tribes that are still there. And they kind of go back and forth serving God and then falling back into sin and serving God and then falling back into sin. And finally, God says, look, their hearts their hearts are so far from me. They're in sin. I've given them mercy and an opportunity to repent time and time again. God is so merciful. He is so kind. The Lord is so merciful. And if you're watching tonight, you might think, well, maybe I've ran out of chances. You haven't. Because you found this broadcast and God wants, you, God wants you to know that He loves you and that He's merciful and He's ready for you to come back to Him. But these people in the kingdom of Judah, they made a point, they're not coming back. They're, they've hardened their hearts toward God. As long as you don't harden your heart toward God, you can come back. You can come on home. They, but they have hardened their hearts toward God. And not only that, they're saying that what God has said is going to happen won't happen. Think about that. They heard these prophecies, righteous prophecies of judgment and destruction before their sins that they refused to repent of. And they say, nah, that ain't going to happen. No, we, in fact, we have these other prophets. They've dreamed dreams and, and they say we're actually going to be okay. And Jeremiah has this ministry of telling them, no, what God has said will come to pass, will come to pass. Because of your sinfulness, because you have refused to repent, you're going to be judged. You're going to go in this time of judgment. And when we get here in Jeremiah 23, 29, he's dealing with these false prophets. He's dealing with these men that are just, they're just lying. They're just making up stuff out of their hearts and their minds. They're being deceptive. They're deceiving and they're lying and they're false prophets. And Jeremiah makes a point and said, look, the word of God, it's like a fire. The Word of God is like a fire. Now, I want you to think about that. What does fire do? Okay. 
when I think about fire, you know, you can think about different things it may do. Like you could burn wood and heat a home. We have a wood-burning fireplace here that once it gets cold enough, we'll, we'll use it to, to put off some heat. Uh, fire can clean up a mess. you got a brush pile. It can burn that up. Fire can also destroy uh, if a fire is is let out and it's it's un becomes uncontrollable, you see, like these for, forest fires, uh, that they, they can't even stop those things out in the west. They they just try to you know they can't put it out. They can't get enough water just to put the things out. They they have to build a perimeter just to try to stop it, and and so it won't go further and it will just eventually die out because it burns up all it can burn up and runs out of fuel. But fire can consume things and and burn up things. Fire produces heat. The main two categories that I see with fire is this. And the first one is fire cleanses. Fire cleanses. The Word of God is like fire in the sense that the Word of God cleanses. It cleans things up. You know, you can see, um, you can see like these time-lapse videos that I, I know I've seen them on like YouTube of maybe like a forest fire, lightning strike hits, and there's a bunch of dead brush everywhere, and it catches on fire. And then this wildfire goes through this countryside. And of course, everything's black. Everything's charred. But then a little bit of time goes by, and, and some rain falls, and then everything sprout, sprouts out bright green. And all that dead, all the dead leaves and moss and brush and the un, uh, underbrush and the dead limbs and dead trees and trees that have fallen over, it's all gone. It's all been burned up and turned into valuable nutrients that go back in the soil. And then after a little bit of rain, a little bit of time, it's a bright green growing forest again. What did that fire do? It went through and it cleaned everything out. The Word of God's like fire in that it will clean out, it will cleanse, it will burn away all the chaff, all the worthlessness. In fact, let's look at Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, Jesus tells us something about the characteristic of the fire of God. Luke chapter 3. Luke 3 verse 16. John the Baptist is prophesying of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you know, you need to get your hearts ready because I'm just this messenger. I'm just this voice in the wilderness. But there's one coming after me. And he, he I'm not even worthy to change his shoes. We're going to see that. He is the one that's coming with this holy fire. Luke 3, verse 16. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Verse 17, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly, notice this, clean out the threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Spirit of God and the presence of the Lord, the Word of God, is like an unquenchable fire. And what it does, it cleans out the threshing floor. In this example, you think about a threshing floor. Maybe you've been driving and you'll drive past some farmland or maybe you lived on farmland or near farmland where they may have grown grain 
like wheat or barley or rye or something like that and that shoot it, you know that stem comes up and then at the top of that stem there's just these little buds all up all around the top right and this it's like in a shell and that at the time of harvest that shell breaks open that hull breaks open and that's where the wheat germ is or the rye or the barley whatever that grain is and when you go to process you go to cut all that wheat up you have to separate that hull, that hard, worthless shell. All it did was protect the wheat. But it, it's not good for eating. You can't do anything with it. You can't grind it up and, and bake bread with it. You need the wheat. you got to separate the hull and that hull away from the wheat. So it separates the chaff, the worthlessness, the, what you can't eat. You can't grind it up to make it into meal or, or to flour. You separate it, and what's left is the wheat. What's left is the precious fruit of that, that the meat of it, if you will, that you can grind up and turn into flour. And what Jesus or John the Baptist is saying here about Jesus, when he comes, he comes in this holy fire. His word and his spirit and his presence is an unquenchable fire that will not only separate the hull and the worthless shell from the precious part, the wheat, but it's going to burn up all that chaff and clean out the threshing floor so that the only thing that's left is what's precious, the wheat grain. What's precious? The fruit. And that's what the Word of God does in our life. When we consume the Word of God, when we read the Word, when we're studying and reading our Bible, day in and day out, we're making it a part of our life. When we hear, we're listening to teachings, what you're doing right now, hearing the Word of God taught, when you're listening to that and allowing it to fill your heart with faith, what it does is it cleans out your heart. It makes and continually keeps you clean. It keeps you clean of anything that's worthless. It keeps you clean of that hole that has no value, that outer shell that doesn't do anything for you. It keeps you clean from all that. It doesn't it allows the threshing floor of your heart, the place where the spirit of God resides. It allows only the precious fruit to be there. And the word of God will just clean out your heart. The word of God will clean out your mind. You know, you might think, well, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to get my mind clean because I have thoughts that are impure thoughts or maybe thoughts of depressive thoughts or, or suicidal thoughts or anxious thoughts. And I, and I have things in my mind that I don't want there. Well, you, it's not enough. You can't just sit around and say, I'm not going to think about that. It won't work. Uh, you'll drive yourself crazy doing that. What you need to do is you need to replace it with the truth. You have to fill your mind with the Word of God. And what will it do? The fire of God, the Word of God like fire, will burn through your thought life and get, a, get rid of all the unclean thoughts. Get rid of depressive thoughts, suicidal thoughts, anxious th What do you mean? You will realize that Satan is a liar. What do you mean, kill myself? I am a child of God. Well, how do you know? The Bible says I am. The Word of God says I'm a child of God. I'm not going to take my life. I'm put here on this earth for a purpose. God has given me a calling. God has given me gifts and abilities. God has purposed in my life to do something of value. God has put me on this earth to be a blessing to my community, to be a blessing to my family, be a blessing to my church. I'm not taking my life, you stupid devil. Get out of here with these thoughts. That's what happens when you fill your mind with the Word of God. You realize, I, I'm loved. I, I am worth uh, valuable. I have worth. The blood of Jesus was poured out on Calvary for me.
God loves me. I'm not alone. You stupid devil. Get that thought out of my mind. I'm not alone. I'm not by myself. No, God never leaves me nor forsakes me. He's always with me. He sticks closer to me than a brother. I'm not, I'm not hopeless. I've got hope. I, I, I'm, this situation isn't hopeless. The God who I, who I serve is a miracle-working God. Though it may be impossible with man, it is totally possible with the God I serve. For nothing is impossible for me because I believe in God. That's what happens when you fill your mind with the Word of God. When you fill your heart with the Word of God, your thought life begins to change. The way you speak begins to change. Maybe you've got some words in your mouth that are in your, you got some words in your vocabulary that need to be burned out. You've got words in your vocabulary, they don't need to be there. Let the Word of God burn them out. Replace them with godly words, with Bible words, with loving words, with pure words. Talk kind. Talk genuine. Talk pleasant. Build people up. Encourage people. Strengthen people. Maybe you, need, maybe you need some fire to hit your tongue. You need the Word of God like fire to hit this tongue so that you won't speak doubt-filled statements, unbelief. Speak doubt and unbelief. No, you need to speak faith. You need to be a witness of God. You need to speak and declare the good things of God. Declare the testimonies of God's goodness in your life. That's what you need to speak. And the Word of God, like fire, will cleanse and burn away anything in your life that shouldn't be there. Now think about this. I want you to think. Let this grab a hold of your thinking. The Word of God cleans me up. The Word of God keeps me clean. Now notice this. You're in Luke. Look at John. John chapter 15 verse 3. There's two passages in John I want to hit real quick. John 15 verse 3. John chapter 15 verse 3. In John chapter 15, Jesus is talking, he's giving this parable about the true vine. And Jesus says, I'm the vine. I, I'm the source of life. I produce life. And you are the branches. And my life through these branches produces fruit. And I want you to produce fruit. In fact, if you don't produce fruit, I don't want to be a part of you. And, John, and, and Jesus says in John 15, verse 3, you're already clean. Now, why are you clean? Because of the word which I've spoken to you. The word of God. Jesus is saying, you're clean because of the word I've spoken to you. My word has made you clean. You've been cleaned up from the inside out because of the word I've spoken to you. The word of God cleans you up. You're in John 15, just a quick hit, and then we're going to keep on moving. John 17, 17. Jesus prays, chapter 17, Jesus is praying several prayers. First, he prays for himself, verses 1 through 5. Then after that, from 6 on to 19, he prays for his disciples. And then from 20 to 23 on, he prays for all believers. And in John 17, 17, he prays this prayer. He says, Sanctify them. He's praying to the Father. Father, sanctify them. Sanctify my disciples. If you're a follower of Jesus, this prayer is for you. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. 
Once you write in the comments, the word is truth. The word is truth. Jesus says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The word of God is the source of all truth. The word of God is the basis in which I live my life because it's true. And this word sanctifies me. Now, what does that word sanctify mean? Sanctify means to be set apart. It means to be taken out of, removed from, and set apart for a holy purpose. God cleans us up and sets us apart from the sin of this world. You know, Jesus tells us that, that we are in this world. We're doing his will in this earth. We live and breathe and move and have our being by Him. And, and we're telling people about Jesus. We're living according to the Word. We're doing the works of Christ in this earth. But we're not born of it. We're in it, but not of it. We're not birthed of this world. We've been born again. When you believe on Jesus, you're born again, translated into a kingdom, another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we are ambassadors. Just, we're just here for a time to tell people about Christ, to work the Word of God, to, to live out and build the kingdom of God here on the earth. And we're set apart. We're called out. We're cleaned up and brought out from the sin of this world, from the curse of this world. And, we're, and that takes place by the Word of God. The Word of God will set us apart. You, you could think of it, you know, cleaning utensils in a kitchen. You know, you have dirty utensils, spoons, forks, knives, plates in the sink or in the dishwasher. And all the clean forks and knives and spoons and plates, they're put away. You don't put the clean forks with the dirty forks and mix them all up and just, oh, well, I'll, I'll go get a fork. Oh, man, this one's dirty. No one does that. That's silly. You have dirty forks in the sink to be washed, clean forks in the drawer. So that when you need to do some eating, you can reach over and grab forks, spoons, knives, plates. They're clean. They're ready to go. They're prepared. They're set apart for use. And the Word of God sets you apart clean so that you can be used by the, by the Father. So that you can be used by the Spirit of God moving through you. You're set apart clean so that the Lord can use you. And the Word of God does that. The Word like fire will cleanse you. The Word like fire will cleanse you. Notice this. One last thing on this point, and then we're going to move on. Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 9. Psalms 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. How do you, get, how do you cleanse your way? By listening to the word of God. By doing what God's word says. Verse 10. With my whole heart I've sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. From your commandments. From your word. Verse 11. Your word have I hidden in my heart. That I might not sin against you. Notice that. When you hide the word of God in your heart... It keeps us from sinning against God. When we have the Word of God in, present in our mind and in our hearts, it keeps us from sin. But if the Word's not in our heart, 
then sin can come fill our heart. Sin will fill our actions. The Word of God cleanses our way. The Word of God shows us how to live. The Word of God keeps us from wandering away from the commandments of God. The second thing, when I think about fire, the Word of God's like fire. The Word of God energizes. The Word of God energizes us. I want us to turn here. All right, you're going to have to knock the dust off your Bible on this one. If you're using a tablet or a phone, you got it made because we're going to go to Haggai chapter 1. It's a short little book. It's in the Old Testament. I would start at the, at the book of Matthew and work my way left, and you'll find it. Haggai and pro tip, if you're going to find, uh, use a really hard book to find while you're teaching, mark it. Because here I am going through trying to find it myself. Haggai, on my, in my Bible, it's page 1119. Probably not in yours, though. Haggai chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to see this. The Word of God is like fire in that it energizes. What I mean by energize? Well, you think about how if you have a bonfire, like I mentioned, we have a fireplace that burns wood in our house. When we light that fire and we load it up with fuel, we load it up with logs and tinder and split wood, and that wood's good and dry, that heat, that fire, that eventually it consumes that wood and it puts off heat. But what is heat? Heat's just energy, right? Uh, you could think of it this way. When you put a, a cold pot of water, you get a pot, you're going to make some rice. And you're in the kitchen and you fill that pot up with cold water and you put it on a burner and you turn that burner on. The heat from that burner is heating up the internal temperature, right, of that water. And cold water, if you're cooking, cold water ain't got much use for it. You don't have much use for cold water. You can drink cold water, and if you have to, you can wash with it. But you ain't going to be able to do much cooking with cold water. But once that water begins to heat, what happens? It begins to rumble, and then it begins to roll and boil and bubble up. And with hot water, then you can make rice or you can put potatoes in or you can uh, you know, boil chicken or whatever you're going to do with it. But the Word of God energizes just like fire does. Fire, that heat, energizes that water. You put a pot of water over a fire and just in a few minutes that water is going to be energized. It's going to be boiling and bubbling over. And that's what the Word of God does in your heart. Look at this. I've given you plenty of time. I, I'm going to have to stop stalling. Haggai chapter 1 verse 12. You've got plenty of time to get there. Haggai chapter 1 verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, the and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Notice that. They obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. So they're, they're obeying the word of the Lord. And they're obeying the word of the prophet because they realize God sent him. God sends people. God sends people with the word. And they obeyed that word. And the Lord their God had sent them and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Notice that's the place of their heart. They're obeying the word of God. They're listening to the word of the prophet. They're hearing and obeying and taking action on the Word of God. So what happens? Verse 13, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you. 
says the Lord. So they're in a place of obedience, and God speaks to them again. They're obeying the word of God, and God speaks another word. If you, if you, might, you might say to yourself, I, w- I wish the Lord would talk to me. Are you listening to the first word? If the Lord spoke to your heart, did you obey the first time he spoke? He's not going to tell you something else to disobey. If you haven't obeyed God the first time he spoke to you, he's not going to you know, argue with you, reason with you. He's God. You want to hear God again? Go back to the place you last obeyed his word. Go back to the place where he last spoke to you and make sure you're doing what he said. That's the place where you hear God's word. They were at a place of obedience, obeying the word of God, and God spoke again. And he said, I'm with you. I am with you, says the Lord. Verse 14. Here's where it happens. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and of Joshua and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. This is the key to getting things done in life. Obey the word of God, and God will stir up your spirit. God will strengthen you. God will energize you. Just like fire energizes, fire that fire under that pot of water makes the water boil. When you obey the word of God and you get in the place of obedience and you get in a place of living by the word of God, God will stir you up. God will stir you up. That's what has to happen in, in, in our church, in churches in America. That's what happens has to happen in our city, in our nation, nations of the earth, is obedience to the Word of God, a renewed obedience to the Word of God, because that will put us in a place for God to stir us up, to energize us, to activate us, to fill us with power to do the task that He set before us. One more point on this. Luke 24. Luke 24, 32. Luke 24, 32. Luke chapter 24. This is after Jesus is resurrected. And after Jesus is resurrected from the dead, he's, he, he's on the earth for about 40 days of ministry. And this is immediately after the resurrection. And Jesus, uh, apparently he must have looked a little bit different because he meets two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they don't recognize him. And Jesus asked the disciples, why are you sad? Because these disciples, they said, well, you know, Jesus, where have you been? Uh, The Messiah, the anointed one, he's dead. And when these ladies, our friends, they went to go to the tomb, they didn't even find his body there. So it must be all over. And Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't you listen to what he said? And he begins to teach the prophets to him. It says in Luke 24, 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded or explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning him. He began to share from the word about himself. And and they get to the end of their journey, and these two disciples say to Jesus, who they still haven't recognized, they still haven't realized it's Jesus, They say, hey, look, you've got to come eat with us. We're about to go eat supper. Come eat with us. So Jesus says, okay, sure. Comes back. They sit down. They're eating. And Jesus breaks bread and blesses it. And it says at that moment, when he did that, their eyes were opened. And they knew it was Jesus. And Jesus is supernaturally gone. He he vanishes. He's supernaturally translated. I mean, he just leaves the room. He's in this glorified body. He just leaves. 
One time he walks through the walls. Man, that must have been amazing to see. But the moment they realize it's him, he just leaves. He, he's gone in a flash. And this is what they say to each other. Verse 32, Luke 24, 32. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us when we talked when he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Did not our heart burn within us? The word of God puts your heart in a place that it's on fire for the things of God. You you, you might say, well, you know, I wish, man, I wish I felt like doing more for the Lord or I, I just don't feel like I used to feel when it comes to my Bible reading or prayer time or going to church. I just don't have the desire to do it anymore. I just don't feel like doing it. Let me tell you something. When you put yourself... Don't live by your feelings. When you put yourself in a place to receive from God, you know what? Regardless of how I feel, I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to do that. Day in, day out, I'm studying this Bible because I know it's going to change me. And the more I put this Word in me, the more I'm going to want to. The Bible says those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. And in the kingdom, when you have a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. He will fill you. And what's amazing about spiritual hunger is you just get more and more hungry. If you don't have an appetite for the things of God, it's because you're not consuming the things of God. But the more you get in the Word, the more you're listening to teaching, the more you become active in your church, the more you're there when services are taking place, the more you're praying and spending time in prayer, the more you desire it. And your heart within you will burn. Did we not burn? Did our hearts not burn within us? The word of God is like fire in that it energizes you. That's trait number one. And before we finish tonight, trait number two. Trait number two. Notice we started in Jeremiah 23, 29. And I'll read that once more for you. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer? that breaks the rock in pieces. Here's trait number two. The first two of 12. These two that we're covering tonight, we've already covered the first one. The Word of God is like fire. Second one, I need you to write this in the comments. The Word of God is like a hammer. The Word of God is like a hammer. Put that in the comment section for me. The Word of God is like a hammer. Now, we covered what, in my mind at least, two things that fire does. It cleanses and energizes. When I think of a hammer, I actually can only think of two things. Two things that a hammer does. A hammer will either build or destroy. I mean, a hammer is not going to screw a screw in. <laughs> a hammer uh, isn't going to you know, do many things for you other than build something or destroy something. And you know, you don't have to have much of a lesson to learn how to use a hammer. Uh, a hammer is a pretty simple tool. Now, if you get good with it, you can do a lot of good things. You can build a lot of stuff or tear down a lot of stuff. But a hammer is a pretty simple tool. And the idea that when you swing it, when you start swinging that hammer, whatever it hits is going to hit it with force. It's going to come against it with force. And if you're driving a nail, man, that's how you get that, you know, 16-penny nail 
about three inch long nail into wood, into solid wood. How are you going to get that metal nail down into wood? Well, you're going to take that hammer and you're going to swing that hammer and hit that head of that nail and drive that nail through. Well, the word of God is, is, a ham, is like a hammer in that it builds and it destroys. Now, we saw in Jeremiah 23, 29, it says, is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. That's destructive power. The word of God carries creative power and destructive power. We're going to cover creative power, or excuse me, destructive power first. That's the first one we see here. The word, the word of God is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. The word of God destroys. I know that sounds peculiar. I know that may sound strange. The word of God destroys? I thought it was something good. It is something good. It is of God. And the word of God does destroy. And it's a good thing that the Word of God is like a hammer because the Word of God needs to destroy some things. There are some things in this world, there are things that if they get into our minds or our hearts, that need to be destroyed, just like this rock. If there's a hard spot in our heart, we need the hammer of God's Word to break that hard spot into pieces. In the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, speaking by the power of the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord, I'm, I'm going to take that heart of stone out of you and replace it with a heart of flesh. If you've got a hard heart, the word of God's like a hammer to come in and bust up that rock, that hard, rocky heart. If you know, you got a coworker, someone in your family or someone you work with that you, you love and you wanna, you're trying to witness to them, but it seems like nothing's working, just keep speaking the Word of God to them. Just keep rehearsing the truth of God's Word to that coworker, that family member. Every opportunity you can to squeeze in the truth of God's Word. Hey, God loves you. Hey, God's got a purpose for you. You're not here by accident. God made you. He loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. He wants to fill you with goodness. He wants you to have a good, blessed life that's filled with holiness and His love and His mercy. You just keep throwing, you just keep striking that hard heart with the hammer of God's Word. You just keep hitting it because if you hit it long enough, it's going to break open. It's going to bust open into pieces. And the Word of God destroys. We see that the Word of God is like a hammer that it breaks rocks in pieces. Now, what does the Word of God destroy? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Pulling down strongholds. Casting down, verse 5, arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Notice that, the knowledge of God. The Word of God is the knowledge of God. The understanding of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The Word of God is like a hammer in that it destroys demonic strongholds. Our weapons are not carnal. They're, they're mighty in God for 
pulling down strongholds. The Word of God destroys demonic, satanic strongholds. The Word of God will destroy strongholds in your mind. If there's something in your thought process, if the way you think doesn't line up with the Word of God, you need the hammer of God's Word to crush that thought, to do away with that way of thinking. You've got a, a habit that's sinful, or you've allowed sin to encroach in your heart or your life and, and take control of you, you need the hammer of God's Word to crush that habit, to root it out and destroy it and bust it into pieces. Any stronghold there is, whether it's in, in us, in a marriage, in a family, we need the Word of God to come in like a hammer and bust it up to pull down strongholds, cast down imaginations. This particular portion of Scripture is dealing with the thought life, essentially. It's the battlefield of the mind that's taking place. And when thoughts come in, you get, you get input of thoughts everywhere. I mean, you get on social media, uh, you turn on the news, you turn on just TV, want to watch, sit down and watch some TV. You're with people, they tell you your opinion. You didn't even ask for their opinion, but an opinion is like armpits. Everyone's got them, and some of them stink. <laughs> and they give you their opinion. You didn't even ask for it. Or, you know, you, you bring up something about your child. Well, you know, so-and-so's child did that and never covered from this or that. You know, hey, I didn't ask for that. I, I wasn't looking for any uh, negative report to come in my life. I'm believing God's word. I'm believing God's best. I'm believing that as I trust and put my trust in God and I obey his word and I'm living for him, that he's answering my prayers. I'm believing that this stronghold that's been set up is going to be destroyed by the word of God. I'm believing that the word of God like a hammer is going to come right through and bust up this stronghold and free me up from it, free them up from it. The Word of God casts down arguments. When, when there's an argument that comes in the mind, when Satan runs a stupid temptation through your mind or a stupid thought, Satan, that's all he can do. He can, he can try and deceive and he can try to get you off course. He sends something across your mind and you think, my goodness, you stupid devil. That is so silly. Why would I ever, ever act on that thought? That's the Word of God crushing that thought like a rock under the weight of a sledgehammer. The Word of God is like a hammer in that it destroys. It destroys. Look at this, Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. This is one of the last portions of Scripture we're going to look at tonight before we come to an end. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16 verse 18. You probably know this verse, but I want you to see it. Matthew 16, verse 18. I'm sure you've heard it before, but it's good to hear it again. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus is speaking to Peter. Jesus says to Peter, who do you say I am? Peter says, well, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, you're blessed, Peter, Simon of Barjona. You're blessed because flesh and blood didn't tell you that I'm the Christ, that I'm the Son of the living God, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. This revelation that I am Jesus Christ, I'm the anointed Messiah, I'm the Son of the living God, 
uh, this revelation is what's going to change and save you, Peter. In verse 18, Jesus says, And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, on the understanding of this revelation that I am Jesus, I am the Christ, I'm the anointed one, I'm the son of the living God, on this rock of truth that I am the son of God, Notice Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Notice I said a hammer can do two things. It can either build something or destroy something. Now we spoke about how the hammer of God will destroy thought life that's impure or ungodly or untruthful or a lie of the devil. It will destroy the lies of the enemy. The Word of God is a hammer that will destroy and bust through demonic strongholds. Before we switch over to the Word of God is like a hammer that it builds, I want you to notice this. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. But think about this. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church I'm building. If Jesus is building the church and the church is getting bigger and he's building and it's bigger and he's building and it's bigger, then these gates, what is a gate? A gate is a entry point into a location. If you have a, a gate, you have a fence around a place of business, they have to open the gate for you to come in. Or a school might have fence around the school and that gate has to be open so people can come in, bring their kids into school. Or a prison, you see a prison, it's, covered, it's got a fence with barbed wire around it and all. unless that gate's open, you ain't getting in or out. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So as the church is being built, these gates... These strongholds of hell, these places of resistance, these blockades that Satan has tried to form and fashion, these places, uh, these strongholds of wickedness and strongholds of lies and deceptions that Satan has built in the earth through, through the work of wicked people, uh, through lies and deceptions, through false religions, uh, through false ideologies, through demonic work, these places of resistance, these gates of hell will be destroyed. The Word of God will knock over those gates so that the church can go into those places. Because if the gate isn't open, you can't go through. But the Word of God, like a hammer, will bust through that gate so that you can walk through, so that the church can invade that place. And that takes us to this last part of trait number two. The life-changing trait of the Word of God is that the Word of God is like a hammer. The Word of God is like a hammer in that it builds. The Word of God builds. I want you to write this in the comment section. Write, I can build my life on the Word. I can build my life on the Word. I can build my life on the word. Matthew chapter 7, you're in verse chapter 16. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're ending tonight. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, that's the word, and does them. 
It's not just enough to hear. You can't just hear it. You got to hear it and do it. You got to hear and obey. Whoever hears these sayings of mine, the word, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, these sayings of mine, and does not do them, they heard it, but they didn't build their life on the word. These people that hear the word, but don't obey it, don't yield to it, don't submit to the truth and the goodness of God's word, they don't build their life on the word. They hear it, but they don't build on it. These people will be like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. And notice, the same rain descended, the same flood came, the same winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. We have a choice. I have a choice, you have a choice. The Word of God is like a hammer in that it builds. And you can build your life with the Word of God. Remember Jesus said to, G to Peter, on this rock, on this revelation, on the knowledge of that, on the knowledge that I am the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of the living God, on the knowledge that I am who I say I am, if you will build your life by doing what I say, then you'll, you'll build your life on a rock that won't be moved. Hebrews chapter 12 says that everything that can be shaken is being shaken. But the kingdom of God cannot be shaken so that everything that can be shaken will be removed and what can't be shaken, the kingdom of God, will remain. If you look in our earth right now, you look in the world right now, things are being shaken. Politicians, politics, governments, news media, social media organizations, companies, businesses, economies, nations, cities, people groups, everything that can be shaken is being shaken, except for the Word of God, and except for the people who build their life on the Word of God. Because it's right there. When you hear the Word, when you hear this Word, that burns through your heart like a fire. When you hear this word that swings like a hammer, this word will guide you in how to live. It will teach you how to live this life. And when you build your life on the truth, on the commands, on the instructions of the word of God, you build a life that cannot be shaken. I want you to write that in the comment section. Say, I can't be shaken. Shaken. Is it E-D? Shaken? I can't be shook. I don't know. I'm not a grammar, I'm not a grammar Nazi. I'm not going to get mad if you misspell it. Because quite frankly, I don't know how to spell shaken. Maybe it is an E-D. My life cannot be shaken. <laughs> My life cannot be shaken. It's not going to be shaken up by, by the thoughts of this world, by the lies of the enemy, by all the nonsense that's going on in the world. That's not affecting me. That doesn't affect my life. That doesn't affect my life in that my life is founded on the Word of God. I, I'm under the protection of God Almighty. You know, I, I was thinking about this 
earlier this week. Man, I'm thankful that Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm thankful that it doesn't say according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus as long as inflation is under 5%. Man, I'm thankful it doesn't say that. I'm thankful that my needs are going to be supplied no matter what the inflation rate is, no matter how much the price of gas goes up per gallon, I'm going to have enough gas in my tank to do what God's put me on this earth to do because he's not controlled or affected by the silly decisions of the economies of this world. No, my life's not going to be shaken. My life's not going to be dictated by what social media says uh, or are allowed to say. My life's not going to be shaken by the opinions of man. My life's built on this word, and I won't be moved from it. I can't be shaken. I will not be shaken. I'm like that tree, Psalms 1. I'm like a tree rooted deep down in the earth, up against the river. And even though there's drought and the rain doesn't come, I've got source, I've got life from that river. And everything I do is going to prosper. And my leaf won't wither and I'll bear fruit in my due season. If that's you, I want you to say amen. Type it out in the comment section. Because we're not going to be shaken like this world's being shaken. We're founded on the rock of God's word. We are doers of the Word of God. We hear the Word of God and obey. We are believers in the Word. And we're not going to be shaken. We're not going to be moved. Our house is built by the Word of God. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith for My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor, leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith for My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor, leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless.